Hi everyone, welcome to episode 10 of Morning Matcha. This is our last episode of season one. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here today with Carolyn Witte and Felicity Yost, co-founders of TIA, which is a next-gen women's healthcare company made for millennials by millennials. Hi, ladies. Hey. Well, thanks for joining us today and coming all the way to Laguna to do this. I'm so (laughs) excited. I haven't seen Carolyn since middle school. I mean, I don't even think I saw you since you went to Sage for high school. I don't even know. (laughs) So this is just such a big treat. And I'm really excited to learn more about Tia and you guys and what you're up to. And yeah, so tell me a little bit about how you guys met. Sure. So... Felicity and I met. We have sort of, a, I would say, a co-founder uh, love story. We <laughs> met uh, our freshman year at Cornell. Uh, so went to Cornell together in upstate New York and uh, met in a very, I would say, nerdy, intellectual, academic setting and really hit it off around uh, sort of a, with a shared passion for um, international affairs and global women's issues and spent really like we had the, our initial relationship was highly, I would say academic before mm-hmm. the like social friendship part took off. Wow. really? Um, and so it's funny to, to reconnect, you know, almost 10 years later uh, and really sort of pursue this, our sort of a shared passion around women's issues together. Um, but our friendship really blossomed when we uh, studied abroad together in Paris. We lived together Fun. for a few months in Paris and had a, uh, the time of our lives, I'd like Just to say. Just to be clear, <laughs> Carolyn crashed, I crashed my study abroad <laughs> experience. Pretty much. That's she was studying abroad in Egypt, and oh, yeah, she was there during the revolution. So and uh, ended up having to leave Egypt, and because Cornell had some strange policy around not letting kids come back after they had started at some point in their study abroad experience, she was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, why don't you just come to Paris? Oh, my <laughs> So gosh. she did. And she was going to learn French, and she didn't do that. Instead, we just <laughs> spent a lot of time eating cheese and drinking wine and going to Versailles. And living the good life. <laughs> so fun. So that's how we, uh, I would say, our friendship really took to the next level there. Yeah. Um, but what has been cool is, I'd say, our friendship has always had many um, facets to it. So you had, you know, a deep shared sort of intellectual connection and a, you know, social party connection in college and um, really into yoga and sort of a spiritual connection and mm. sort of explored wellness and, and um, some more spiritual parts of ourselves together. And um, one of the things that's been both exciting and truthfully at the beginning, a little bit terrifying at starting a company with your best friend is well, most people would tell you not to do that, <laughs> uh, particularly in Silicon Valley. It like breaks the rule back rule book of of how to start a company and that like that what if it implodes and you get into a fight and what is what happens then like you have investors and blah 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 and uh i would say so sort of was a little intimidating for us um but really exciting to sort of explore a new facet of our relationship and uh, i would just say it's one of those things that just feels right and just just works so how did you navigate that in the beginning when you decided I mean, so you decided to start it together or was it some idea that one of you had or how did that? Well, yeah, I'll tell the story. So I'll tell it from my perspective, actually. Um, So Carolyn had this idea back in April of last year when she first actually told me about the idea and she'd been working on it um, prior. She you were taking a course at General Assembly in product design. Yeah. Um, that really kind of got the the wheels turning on her idea and she started creating wireframes around it and uh, kind of bringing it into a fruition state. 
um, and then had come out to Carmel um, the in April and started telling me about it and some of our other friends. And immediately I was like so inspired and just like, wow, this is awesome that she's doing this. And like, this makes so much sense. And I love the idea and I want to help whoever I can. Um, and then a few months went by before she actually moved back to San Francisco. Um, and when she did, we moved in together um, and we're roommates now. Um, and so... Uh, throughout this entire time, I was working as a product manager at a different startup called Owler. And um, so I have a lot of background in product management and uh, kind of how you do a lot of the more formal bringing products to life uh, kind of process. And so I was trying to help her as I could and give her my bits and pieces of advice. I was um, in way over my head, like <laughs> doing this solo, quit my job like trying to figure out how to hire and manage engineers and build a product and raise money and like do all of these things. So Felicity was very much my emotional lifeline, uh, but also like, Hey, like I've literally no idea how I'm doing this. Like, can you teach me the ropes? Yeah. So I like to talk about how we'd like come home from work and we'd sit at the dining room table together. We like map things out or like talk through things. And um, so it was kind of a process of slowly being you know, folded in over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a moment when my sister actually came out to visit us for Thanksgiving and we had dinner with her and the entire time we spent talking about Tia. And then the next day, the entire time we spent talking about Tia and she's like leaving and goes, Hey, by the way, I just want you to know that I think it's kind of interesting <laughs> that I haven't heard anything about your real job. <laughs> You've just talked about this other thing that you're working on or like helping Carolyn work on or like Carolyn's job. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like a, a light bulb that went off when your sister says something back to you like that. It like, makes you reflect. And so uh, I spent a lot of time over the next few months uh, kind of reflecting on, you know, maybe this is really like something that I'm super passionate about in my calling and um, what I really would love to work on. And um, it gives me so much energy to work with Carolyn. And it gives me so much energy to work on a problem that I faced that I know all of my friends have faced and I think could have a real impact for people. So um, in a very Californian story, I went to Esalen for Christmas break. My favorite place <laughs> ever. ever. <laughs> Spent a lot of time <laughs> meditating and doing a lot of yoga and soaking in those baths under the stars. <laughs> and um, magic, then yeah. like, well, actually, it's kind of funny. I was with a yoga teacher who spends a lot of time talking about how you need to empower the women and how our society has a, like a lot of issues because women don't have the um, kind of right over their bodies that they should. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy cow, this is a sign. So yeah. I go back to San Francisco and I'm like, okay, I have to tell her. And I was so nervous. It was, I'd never been that nervous to tell Carolyn anything before. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so wait, all this, this was like, in November. Or this is after Thanksgiving. Yeah, the beginning of January. Yeah. It's January 6th or something. <laughs> oh, this year. And yeah. 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 So I like sit down on our couch. She's like reading the paper or something. <laughs> I'm like, I have to talk to you about something. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm ready to quit my job. And she's like, uh huh. <laughs> and I was like, and I want to come work with you. <laughs> oh my God. She was speechless. I was pretty speechless. I, um, I'd spent, um, five months or so, you know, selling my soul, I feel like trying to convince all these people in all different aspects of Silicon Valley to sort of believe in this crazy idea I had to build a totally new type of women's healthcare company from the ground up. Um, and it's very, I would say, demoralizing at times and uh, a test of your confidence 
um because people like you know more people say no than yes is the an understatement of the century um mm-hmm. and i would say my like you know there'd be t- my confidence had really been deflete depleted you're really at times making me question like have i lost my mind is this a crazy idea like no one believes in this and um when felicity finally without any sort of you know um push from me came to me and said hey like i believe in what you're doing more than you do yourself so much so that i'm gonna quit my job like take this massive you know financial and personal risk and jump out of the airplane with you it was like the <laughs> ultimate vote of confidence i think that really helped me uh sort of move forward and find the strength to keep going uh so that was a pretty amazing thing and it is funny because i did spend a lot of time co-founder dating so to speak <laughs> as they would say and which was a you know a story for another time but quite uh like the worst kind of dating there ever is. Oh and my it was gosh, like, I, I had this dream that. person right under my nose that I never would have thought of. They just like, it was like, you know, the book says you don't do that. Um, but the book was wrong. Yeah. And it really was the, by, without a doubt, the best decision I would say we both have ever made. Uh, but really, I think for the, uh, Tia would not be where it is today with, without that. So we're really lucky. It's been an yeah. amazing journey. So when did you start pitching investors or just anyone to start, on your team? Yeah. So, um, I really started about last August. So I'd been, as Felicity mentioned, uh, been sort of toying with this idea. It actually started in part as a result of my own personal pain points with the healthcare system, which is a common, uh, I would say story for healthcare founders. So if you have to, you just have to like experience, have such a frustrating experience. You have to ask yourself, like, why does it have to be this way? This is so crazy. There has to be a better way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my personal pain points had to do with, uh, not being able to find the right birth control, which is something like m- most women experience at some point in their yeah. life. Uh, but for me, it really escalated to more serious health issues around fertility and infertility. And um, um, so I spent, you know, a sev- couple years um, going to all these different types of women's health experts from, you know, OBGYNs to fertility specialists, naturopaths, dermatologists, all these different people, each who I felt were um, treating a part of me or diagnosing a symptom and failing to connect the dots. So, you know, I tried, I did my fair share of the pure wellness approach didn't work for me. The pure mm-hmm. medical approach didn't work for me. Um, and ultimately, uh, like I self-diagnosed myself uh, and, and was able to figure out I had a, something called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a super common thing actually amongst women and the root of a lot of uh, sort of more serious health issues. Um, and it, through that process, I sort of realized like, why don't I have my own ownership, my own health data? Like, um, as as the, as a very empowered patient, like why don't I have access to own information in my body that would help me make better decisions for my yeah. health? Like I'm so frustrated by going to all these different doctors, who none of whom talk to each other, mm-hmm. none of whom are sharing any information, and feeling like they're trying to treat a symptom versus think about you holistically and saying, hey, maybe all these different things you're you're experiencing are connected. We should think about them connected. And um, then the third piece I think is really important, and, and something we both Felicity and I feel really strongly about. Because I felt like the emotions behind my healthcare struggles were totally neglected. No one was thinking about like the female experience or that I was like 24 and freaking out about infertility when it's like totally a weird thing to even be thinking about because I wasn't actually trying to like have kids, but you're like, this is like touch a like totally like through my mind for a loop. And yeah. that, the emotions behind that were never, uh, I would say addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I set out to decide like, how can we build a new type of women's healthcare model that, puts the female experience front and center and, and really is about thinking about what she thinks, what she feels and what she wants. Like 
like how, how would we do that and sort of rethink a, a new model for, of care from the ground up. Um, so I decided to start with, uh, partly due to my own experience and partly due to more research I did, uh, so the birth control guesswork problem, as I call it. Um, I thought it was an interesting um, sort of linchpin of women's health and the connective tissue to both non-clinical issues, everything from what you do Saturday night to your career decisions to um, weight or your moods, your cycle, all these sorts of things to like highly clinical things like uh, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, or in my case, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's an interesting sort of wedge into uh, rethinking a healthcare system or a model for healthcare that really sort of connected the dots between what I thought was very fragmented to today. Um, so I started building the first version of TIA, which was a birth control recommendation algorithm, if you will, <laughs> uh, with the whole with the UC, uh, OBGYN at UCLA, who uh, is absolutely amazing and has been an incredible medical partner for me, uh, for us both, bringing in a lot of sort of the latest and greatest research and um, evidence around birth control, uh, which is something, despite tens of millions of women taking it every day, there's very little knowledge and understanding of. Yeah. Uh, and, and trying to say, how can we take what we know and build smarter, uh, more data-driven products that help women better match or better match women to the right birth control for their individual needs. Uh, so that was the first version of TIA. It was highly, highly narrow uh, in that regard. Um, and what we saw was like Tia would give women a birth control recommendation, like the copper IUD or something like that. Uh, and women would, the response like really blew my mind. They would say like, wow, Tia listens to me. Like she asked me questions. My doctor never asked me, you know, in those seven minutes I had uh, at the doctor's office. Like Tia, like she asked me if I care about hormones. Like I didn't even know there was, there were options without <laughs> hormones. Like no yeah. one ever told me. And these are like, you know, the most edu like highly educated women that, you know, have the most access to information, the most access to care. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a very interesting thing. And, uh, but the most interesting part of all is not only did, you know, were they, um, felt like they would say things like Tia makes me feel heard and felt like they were really the ownership of their, or the, the driver of their own healthcare decision around choosing a birth control. But they wanted to ask Tia all sorts of other questions, um, from, Hey Tia, like, why do I get yeast infections to, um, you know, what do you, what types of organic tampons should I buy to, um, you know, how will birth control affect my future fertility? How often should I get a pap smear? All these sort of a wide range of questions ranging the, uh, spectrum of non-clinical to clinical. And this to me really reinforced the idea that birth control really was this linchpin issue that I talked about, um, and a powerful connective sort of tissue to healthcare at large. Um, and there was demand most importantly for sort of this private trustworthy, anonymous, highly personalized assist that you could, that you could communicate with about your health. Mm -hmm. I mean, could connect the dots between what is currently a super fragmented system. And that's what we've been working on for the past uh, six months. Compassion was not, mm -hmm. was as if not more important than the information itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so oftentimes someone, you know, is asking like the condom broke, what do I do? I'm freaking out. Like the first thing you can't say to someone is like, you might get pregnant, like go run to the pharmacy and get plan B. It'd be like, hold on, like, take a deep breath. Like, we've got this. Like, mm -hmm. let's ask you a few questions. We're going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. um, and where Tia really shines is, I think, finding the balance between compassion and emotion and listening. Sometimes we've, we think Tia serves as almost like a diary where sometimes we don't have to say anything at all. We're just there to listen. Yeah. Um, and then taking the latest and greatest evidence and in, in research uh, around certain topics, whether it's birth control, sexual health, uh, stress in your cycle, you name it. And sort of spewing that out in language millennial women can really understand and using that, uh, giving it to them and helping them make a decision for themselves. Uh, so to take a complicated, you know, question like, you know, that's lots of women ask like the condom broke what I do. It turns out the answer to that is uh, 
actually not as simple as you'd think. Um, And it it depends on a lot of different factors from like, where in your cycle are you on? When did you have sex? You know, are you using birth control? Do you take it consistently? All sorts of different factors that it's not just go get plan Plan B, B, which is what would happen if you like Googled it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we think like Tia is really an answer to the one size fits all WebMD answer that you're like, oh, so is this the thing that applies to all women? What about me? Like, mm-hmm. what about my feelings? What about my experience? What about my situation? Yeah. Um, we're really a mechanism to help provide highly private and personalized answers uh, in a way that empowers women to take more ownership of their health and make a decision that's right for them. Mm-hmm. So it's like your best friend meets your doctor or something so like we that. T- yeah, we, we talked yeah. about it. We so we named her Tia after aunt in Spanish, and we described Aww. her as like she's like your cool aunt who's smarter than your best friend, but not your mom. Yeah, and the person you turn to when shit hits the fan, and she's sort of important, symbolic for important women in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of this idea of like across cultures, like whether she's actually your blood aunt or just like some you know um, important older woman, like the idea of a Tia is like very universal across cultures. And, and we think that's the role we want Tia to play mm-hmm. uh, is very much that trusted, trusted person that you turn to, you know, will always be there um, to provide sort of guidance and always without judgment um, and like removing the judgment around uh, that women feel all too often feel about a basic health question. Yeah. Like the most basic health questions that they're so embarrassed to ask. Like, we, we want to make people feel heard, make, like remove the sort of fear of judgment around those issues and, and, and make it known that um, having these questions is okay mm-hmm. and um, sort of be that trusted resource to provide those answers. That's so great. Um, I'm curious how the political landscape has come into play with Tia because it's obviously like during the time you were planning it was yeah yeah, but when it started getting so heated totally so you know I started made the decision to quit my job and start Tia before uh the election and was like you know Hillary Clinton is totally gonna be elected like this is absolutely what's gonna happen it's gonna be an amazing thing for women's health and women's rights and then the election happened and it really threw me for a loop um you know personally as like you know a woman and then like as the founder of Tia and saying like what does this mean for us um, I would say I've really taken all my frustration and anger and like really channeled it into Tia and saying, I think we both have. And I would say like, I mean, you can speak to this more, but that was partly r- like right at the time when you were trying to make this decision of what you were to mm-hmm. do. And I think for a lot of people after the election, like woke up being like, so like I could be keep living my life and doing these things and doing my job that I like and challenges me, or I could like do something that I'm obsessed with or that like solves a problem that I really, really care about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it was a wake up call for a lot of people. And I think I could bucket myself into that, which is just like, Hey, you know, if you don't take action, then things aren't going to change in the way that you think they should. And this is one of those ones where I don't think we have an option. Uh, I think that we really, really have to fight for helping women feel more empowered and more educated around their, their health. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, you know, we're at huge risk as a, as a country, as a society around the world. I, my first reaction, like the day after the election, I was like, mm-hmm. felt like I'd been like was wounded and yeah. felt so distraught as so many people did feel and felt like, like, how did I totally think one thing was going to happen? And this crazy other thing happened. And now what does that mean for me? What does it mean for Tia? What does that mean for women? All the things I believed in, like my whole worldview felt like it was like changed overnight or was challenged rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we did was actually like started looking into like, okay, am I alone feeling this or this insecurity, this like sort of, how am I going to navigate this? You know, the complex, it was more of like an unknown. I think that was like the most scared. Cause like still no one even knows what's going to happen to women's health. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started looking at Google trends data 
and saying like, what are other people like searching for right now? And one of the things that I think was both uh, was exciting for us and said, wow, like Tia really has an opportunity to fill this void was the day after the election, searches for birth control went up 400%. Wow. Um, and to give you like, especially for the IUD in particular. So people were posting to Twitter and on Google, like, do I need to get my IUD removed early? Um, like, you know, is Why? my, Why? Like people early. were so scared that birth control and women's health coverage was going to go away yeah. in light of like, this is oh, in 24 hours. IUD is very, oh very expensive. Very inserted and removed. And, you know, today, nine out of 10 women, uh, for nine out of 10 women, the IUD costs zero dollars thanks to Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and if that, if the proposed healthcare bill is passed, like, birth control coverage will would very much go away and be a, like a cause sort of a big shift in how women are uh, managing the reproductive health care as a result of um, sort of since the, yeah. since the Affordable Care Act was passed. And so we thought like, wow, we have this big like people are really confused mm-hmm. and no one knows what's going on. I think it's the uncertainty that's probably the most scary. And we get a lot mm-hmm. of questions about these types of things and like, hey, can we be a platform that not only helps to empower women, uh, with information, but help them navigate a uh, sort of a rapidly changing world of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. what will insurance cover and what will it not? Um, you know, what are your rights? Can we help women know, like, demand their right to sort of copay free birth control when most women don't know that they actually have the right, like, the fe- from a federal perspective? Like, there's a federal mandate that sort of insists that women have access to birth control without a copay today, and so many women still don't even realize that. And can we be this, again, thinking about our values, providing highly trusted information um, and being sort of the experts that speak in millennial, you know, female language, can we help women navigate this changing world of healthcare and really double down on that effort and sort of has been, I would say, given us more motivation than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, that said, something I really think about and particularly living in San Francisco is this sort of fighting this like tech utopianism that I think is a common, uh, I would say, both of like can be a wonderful thing about living in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley, but also something I think I'm very cognizant of the limits of and saying like, you know, Tia, we really believe can be a partial solution to a lot of the problems women are facing today around their healthcare by providing, you know, highly um, accurate, private, personalized information about their health. Um, you know, helping women choose an, IU, you know, an IUD or the implant or figure out when they should get a pap smear or, you know, understand what's going on in their body. But if we, rec- you know, if we recommend you go get a pap smear, but the clinic closed and there's no healthcare clinics, like we only go so far, like our solution only goes so far. Yeah. Um, and sort of being cognizant of like, what are the limits of what, what, we, what, what Tia can do and technology can do? How can we work with providers in the existing healthcare system uh, to sort of provide end to end solutions? And what is the role of technology and like a you know a company and helping sort of change the public conversation around these issues and getting people to take action and aware of the issues at stake understand what their rights are and sort of advocate for uh, policies that um are for what we believe the betterment of women Mm -hmm. yeah it really is like going back to the ever-changing climate it's just constantly i'm reading things like oh birth control i mean this was a while ago but it's like birth control is going to be available over the counter Mm -hmm. and then it's not or like we're not even going to have how are people going to access it and maybe people don't want to take the pill so what are they going to take so they're going to go up to or they can like message tia and just ask any of these questions right now or that's like a yeah and so any question related to birth control and sexual health we're fairly confident we can answer um we view sort of one of tia's another sort of superpower we say she has is really 
being that linkage to care and helping women know when they need to and don't need to go to the doctor. So if you'd ask us a highly clinical question, you'd say, you know, we are not medical providers. That sounds really serious. Can we help you find a doctor nearby in network who can mm-hmm. help you get you the care you need? Um, but general information around, you know, is this covered by insurance? What are my rights? Um, what's the difference between a Mirena and Skyla IUD? You name it. Like, are there non-hormonal birth control options? Like, we're pros at answering those questions in a highly personalized way. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. And the bot kind of does that or that's more it gets deferred yeah. to an actual person? So we talk about 80% of our questions being answered by the bot. So what that means is that we have a whole bunch of content that our app is actually programmed to answer. Um, and a lot of these questions that we know are top questions for women, we've worked on making sure our bot is there and prepared to answer for those. Um, when when our bot isn't trained on that and when we don't have that kind of in our system, it falls over to what we call our wing women, which are our on-staff health educators who are there to answer your questions. Um, and that's if you have a question that we just didn't know was going to be a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really exciting for us when that happens because, one, we get to um, help you get like a very great answer answer to your question and we ensure that that happens and we know that that's a a great user experience so we really value this component of our app right now Um, but the other really cool thing is that over time we're going to be able to learn from those other questions that women are asking in our app and then train our bot on those so as time goes on the bot's going to be able to learn more and more answers to the questions that's incredible Mm -hmm. so when someone searches something right now and the bot answers um like it's not just like throwing a link or an article no. at someone. No, think it's, yeah, think of it as like almost like uh, the whole thing's chat based. So it feels from a like a design perspective and an interaction model perspective, it feels all like chatting with a friend. It's mm-hmm. in an app, but it's all message based. Um, and think of it as almost like um, a choose your own adventure like decision <laughs> tree. So if you ask something like, "Hey T, I miss my birth control pill. What do I do?" Super common question. Actually, super super complicated. Again, yeah. one of those where you're like, it's not just like take your pill. I was the person that was doing that for like, years of my life instead yeah. of doing it wrong for a very <laughs> long time. And it's actually really complicated. Um, and so T will be like, you know, hey girl, like first off, deep breath. We've got this. Can I ask you a few questions and to you know to help you like figure out the right solve here? So we'll ask you. So, you know, Nikki, um, like how many pills did you miss? You know, was it one or two or two or more? Like what week in your pack are you on? Have you had unprotected sex in the past five days? You go sort of this back and forth between um, sort of through these various questions that we know we need to answer to provide you that highly personalized answer. We basically take those different sort of answers and use that to spit out a highly personalized answer at the end that says, hey, because you only missed one pill in the first week of your, your cycle, you're like totally good to go, you know, take that pill as soon as possible. Um, and then you should be back on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at another point in your cycle, we might say, um, you know, you might want to use backup contraception for the next seven days and then you should be good to go or sort of give you sort of proactive guidance in that way. Yeah. So why we kind of came to this idea is, um, there are all these kind of nuances around these types of questions that mean that the answer isn't just the one size fits all that you're going to find on WebMD or some other forum. There's specific things about you that shape the result. Um, so we think that the conversational UI is a really, really powerful way of getting to that right personalized answer. Um, so, yeah. And it also allows us to inject a lot of personality. Yeah. So I love, you talked a little bit about, you know, Tia being the cool aunt, but like <laughs> it's, we're trying to like, 
move away from the clipboard at the doctor's office feeling where you're like answering a bunch of like annoying health questions that feels super transactional. It's like you're talking about someone's sex life or like their, their health. Like this is like a super intimate emotional experience for lots of people, particularly around things that pregnancy scares, fertility, like these are highly emotional experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and can we like build a more compassionate interaction that makes people feel heard, makes people feel less judged, makes people feel comfortable sharing information. Um, and so, so often like, get them to a relief state of mind, which uh, we think is really important. There's something we talk about sort of the user journey uh, that we see people turning, um, we see in our product is um, oftentimes women are turning to Tia when they're freaked out, when they're scared, embarrassed, confused, um, and then report immense relief after getting their answer. And that's sort of what we see in the heart emoji or the like, thanks Tia, I'm so (laughs) grateful, or these like um, statements of immense gratitude. And that is incredibly fulfilling for us as founders um but also just like really a testament to the value and the differentiated value that tia provides the types of answers um uh we 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 give um and we really believe that like the biggest problem facing women's health today across across the space is that like all too often women are making decisions about their health from a face of fear anxiety shame regret confusion instead of one of confidence whether it's um if only I had known I should have frozen my eggs. Like, why didn't anybody tell me that? Like, why, like my birth, my, you know, someone just gave me these birth control pills and I'm taking them and I don't know what they're doing to my body or mm-hmm. um, sort of just this, sort of this um, lack of confidence around their healthcare decision. And we fundamentally believe that like no good decision in any of your era of your life is made from a state of fear. Mm-hmm. And if we can, you know, more again than providing disinformation, if we can provide, be that compassionate uh, sort of, wing woman or guide in your life that helps you get to an emotional state that's a a state of confidence that helps you make a decision you feel good about then we've done our job yeah it's your body I mean it's like it's my body why am I giving this up to my doctor to decide for me I just want to know the information and then I can decide totally but I think and in general and I don't know you just kind of give up that power to someone else it's just yeah, the patriarchy. We talk. Thing, yeah. yeah, we talk a lot about like our core uh, brand ethos is around choice and informed decision making as the outcome. Um, and choice is a very loaded word in this country, yeah. uh, but one we use very intentionally and feel very strongly about. Um, and we believe that like we exist, like Tia fundamentally exists to help women exercise choice in their healthcare decisions, big mm-hmm. and small. We never, ever make decisions for our users. We're never, ever like, go get plan B. You really should get the copper IUD. We're like, hey, here are your options. Here's information. I trust that you can make the best decision for yourself and your own body and your own life. And we're just here to like help you understand what choices you have. Um, Reinforce that choice is there, which is, has been, I think, a really powerful learning for us. Again, as people from San Francisco, that a lot of these people that we're talking to, a lot of these women don't even have that like first idea in their head about their healthcare, which is so like just being able to introduce that idea is incredibly powerful. The first idea about how they're, they, they have can, a choice. Yeah. There's yeah. a choice for them. Wow. What about boys or men or do you have any men that are messaging you asking questions? Yeah, <laughs> we have gotten some men. Um, we'd say, you know, first and foremost, I think like Tia is a platform for all people and it's extremely, we're all about inclusivity and um, we aim to make our product available to anyone who has questions about their health. We Mm -hmm. say our expertise really lies in helping 
um, you know, people with female anatomy, get the information yeah. they need to make a decision for their own healthcare uh, today. Uh, that said, we do get, sometimes we get um, guys having qu questions about their partners or things like that. And, you know, we do provide answers to those questions that are like, hey, do you want to you know, give the phone to your partner? <laughs> like tell your partner to, <laughs> to get to you and ask us. But we don't close our doors to anybody, so yeah. to speak, but would say our expertise really lies right now in focusing on the female experience. Yeah, because the whole talk on gender and and gender neutrality, I think it's really interesting because then you, you know, people can have questions about hormones and hormone therapy and, mm -hmm. um, it is, yeah. A, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a complex world yeah. uh, that we're, we're navigating and how do you build a product and a service that meets the needs of everyone? Mm -hmm. Uh, we do, we do go to great lengths to make our product very, uh, inclusive, I would say, of all people I and experiences. That. And, you know, Tia asks you what your preferred gendered pronoun is. And we never assume the sex of your partner or anything like that. It's like, we're here to provide information about, like, physio, like, biology, you yeah. know, your body and, and, like, you know, who you love, how you identify, all those sorts of things. Like, not our, you know, you can share that with us if, if you feel that that helps provide context to us that can help get you a more personalized answer. Uh, but it's, you know, we, we respect and are open to all people. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so great. So tell like what's the right now it's in beta and when does it come out of beta? <laughs> that's a good question. Or what is I mean, just explain like people that don't know the difference. Right. Because yeah. right now it's doing so many things. Yeah. What does that mean? What does beta mean exactly? Sure. So um, what beta means is just that we've launched an app. It's not perfect yet. We're still doing a lot of testing around it. So be patient, okay. essentially. Um, when we bring it out of beta isn't specifically defined in our you know, product development roadmap. It's much more kind of when we feel like we can guarantee a certain uptime, a certain responsivity, mm -hmm. um, and just kind of bugginess free experience. Um, so right now as a kind of scrappy startup with limited resources, we've developed what we call an MVP, a minimum viable product to get it out there, to get users in, uh, the app and testing it. We've gone through actually several iterations of what we have today. Uh, we've done a couple of, you know, very scrappy uh, versions of TIA down to a more kind of robust alpha model. And then we launched our beta model. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll continue iterating on this. But we do know that we still have some bugs and limitations for um, the experience. And we're working on solving those. But at the same time, it's really important to us to be able to get to a point where we can say, hey, like we know this is our core engagement model. We know this is our core acquisition model. So we have to figure out, and this is a constant struggle in developing a, a software product at a startup is how do you go off and build those things and get that kind of solidified understanding while also maintaining this other kind of core tech part mm -hmm. um, with the limited resources that you have and this, you know, kind of small and agile team. So that's where we start. I would say one of the challenges for like people in healthcare or health tech rather is like technology is like move fast and break things like launch imperfect products, learn really quickly, iterate really quickly. When you're dealing with someone's health, it's like you can't get it wrong. Yeah. Like you can't be like, sorry, I meant to say like, you know, you're like you are pregnant and you're not or like, like something like that. It's like this is like really serious. Like yeah. you can't get it wrong. There's a yeah. like little room for error so it, it's not uh, like postmates where they forget your order no, or something no totally you can't like not yeah. remind you to take your birth control when we told you we were yeah uh, and so we have to yeah. like there's a certain level of confidence in what we've defined and we've gone through great lanes of before we launched our our beta and made it available 
um, to anyone can can download it. There's no you know invitation or code that you need uh, to get to get the app installed on your phone. Um, we're like we need to have a certain confidence level that we can do sort of the nuts and bolts really well. Like mm-hmm. so today we're very confident that Tia is a pro at recommending uh, the right birth control to you based on your medical history, uh, personal preferences. So you know what do you care about hormones, no hormones. Uh, skipping your period, having a regular monthly period, et cetera, and um, uh, birth control history. And we're very confident that we can do that extraordinarily well today. And I've gotten amazing feedback from doctors, et cetera, on sort of that being a, a sort of a keystone of our product. Um, you can, Tia can remind you to take your birth control and can set up custom birth control reminders. Wow. And you can tra- track your symptom and cycle with Tia, as well as sort of get personalized private answers to those top uh, women's healthcare questions around birth control and sexual health. So that was sort of what we called our MVP, so to speak, and say, hey, we do this really well. We're confident we can go out the gate and do these things and provide a high quality experience um, while we continue to expand our content uh, and expertise to cover a broader range of women's healthcare topics from fertility to pregnancy to um, wellness and stress and all these other areas that we're really interested um, and continue to learn very, very quickly from our users about what they want. Yeah, that's great. So I want to get into funding for a a little bit because I think as I don't, I'm just curious Mm -hmm. what the experience is like and um, how it's like to, pitch people obviously denial uh, being denied is huge you were talking about that mm-hmm. it's just really big um i don't it i i know what it's like and it's not fun but it also it takes a type of person to get back up and it's nice to have each other yeah for that um but i'm curious what your experience is what are the boardrooms look like what is you know as two women going out and doing this or have you explored that yet or are you just perfecting your product before going for another round have you done just a, a round at all or yeah. just a first round so we have raised some um capital that's funded us to date um so from so from a, f- a handful of angel investors uh, and family and friends who really believe in what we're doing and supporting us and it's been really lucky to get our first product out the door and we're looking, uh, starting to go raise what they would call a sort of venture capital seed round mm-hmm. uh, by the end of the summer. Um, so I think from you know the investment strategy and, cl- and environment has been a, a massive learning experience for me. Um, and I would say here's like a couple of things I've learned along the way. Um, one, it's all about confidence and projecting a huge amount of confidence um, and that, you know, there's no certainty in this world, but it's all about the next best thing is, is confidence and people like uh, investing in people that believe, you know, enormously about their own vision. Mm-hmm. And, and when you can project that confidence, have enough conviction, what you believe in, what you're doing, so that other people see that are like, she, she knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, like she believes in this so much that like, I'm going to believe in it too. And mm-hmm. unless you can do that, uh, I think you have, uh, you're going to struggle. And truthfully, despite having like a huge amount of confidence and belief in a grander vision of Tia until a few months ago. I don't think we had, um, had a lot of questions in my own mind about what we were doing or like what exactly was going to work. What was the specific problem we're solving? Um, what is the specific model for that gets people coming back that really, you know, gets people to send that heart emoji? Like, what is that? And Mm -hmm. now we feel, you know, we've learned a lot over the past 12 months and feel like we have a huge amount of conviction that we're have a very differentiated model for women's health 
um, that's rooted in building a trusted relationship with women. And that is incredibly valuable and something to invest in. So that I think gives us a lot of confidence to go out and say, hey, we're ready to take some money and help scale our, what we've built so far and, and improve Tia so we can make it available to more women. Mm-hmm. Um, the second piece I would learn, I, I would say is like, um, there's been more money and venture capital money going into women's health in the past 18 months than ever before, which is super exciting. Um, I'd say it's women's health is hot finally, mm-hmm. which is like sort of crazy because it's half the world's population. So it's like, why has like, it's not why a niche now? market. Yeah. <laughs> like there's been a lot of like people used to challenge and say like, so how big is this market? Like, <laughs> is this really a big idea? Like it feels like really niche. It's like, you're literally talking about half of humanity. So I like that I really struggled with. And sometimes you just have to like take a deep breath and you know, either roll your eyes or like say it's really challenge find the you know, strength and the confidence internally to challenge that and say, you know, do you have a wife, a sister, a daughter, like, like have, do they have questions about their health? Yeah. Pretty sure they do. Um, and sort of come back with the conviction that we have and try and convince people that to believe that this is really something big. Um, so I would say the third thing of why people suddenly care around women's health is I think there is this wake up call that like this is half of humanity. Like it's been totally people have this sector has been very much underinvested in historically mm-hmm. by this community. And, and it's a really powerful demographic. And we need to build products and services that empower this market to, to manage better manage their health. Um, but also from a practical perspective, um, it's one of my favorite statistics. Women spend 80 percent of the healthcare dollars in America. Uh, so there is this new sort of, um, attachment to this thesis, like capture the woman, capture the family, Mm -hmm. uh, not only like do women deserve better product, better products and services, but women like, you know, build a product and, you know, women spend the healthcare dollars that, you know, support one of the biggest industries in the country. Um, and therefore like, it's really important that we build products that, um, sort of address this, uh, demographic. Um, so those are some of the, some of the things I've learned along the way and, um, we're really excited about the excitement we're seeing in Tia, um, mm-hmm. and from investors and users and all sorts of different people and saying like, now it really is the time to rethink women's health, um, and build a product and that, um, addresses sort of the female experience. Yeah. That's so exciting. I'm so happy for you guys. Mm-hmm. And I just, I guess I'd want to end with what the future holds. What's Tia's future? Yeah. I mean, there's like, it's obviously unlimited, right? Yeah. There's so much that can happen, but what are some things that you're excited to see so, um, in the near future? Yeah. yeah like- so I'd say one of the most exciting and challenging things about um, starting a company that I'm sure you mm-hmm. experience as well is the challenge of how do I think like 10 years out, but then also like 10 months out, 10 days out, like 10 hours out and like balancing, finding the balance between uh, the today and tomorrow vision and saying like, okay, we, it'd be really cool in the future if we can like predict X, Y, Z and like, you know, T is in every single doctor's office in America and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But like, okay, so what are we going to do for the next 10 hours so we can get like the little inch forward to get there? So constantly finding the balance between that. But, um, we, uh, the way that sort of keeps me, I would say, um, driven towards the same uh, North star, both of us and our mm-hmm. team is we talk about like, what does success look like from our perspective in four years? It's not really a number. Like we have numbers and yeah, we have lots of numbers mm-hmm. that we're like gunning to hit and all sorts of stuff like that. But it's really about um, something a little more, I would say uh, amorphous where we talk about trust. And when you think of women's health or a trusted women's health brand, we want people to think of Tia and saying like, when I'm freaked out, scared, confused, embarrassed, I go to Tia. Mm-hmm. Like that's the sort of 
psychological effect that we're really looking to have on, on women and, and hope that we can cultivate that trust amongst lots of women um, in the U.S. and maybe one day around the world in a way that builds sort of community trust um, and helps more women make decisions with confidence. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I've been, I, I'm so excited to go and download Tia right now. I actually was trying to do it right before this. So I'm going to just, yeah, just figure out all of my questions that are personal and private and I don't want to share right now. Awesome. <laughs> but thank We're you for coming today. And thank it was you really for having fun us. catching up. Yeah. And I'm really, really happy to see how Tia grows and all the people that you're going to help. It's important work. So thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.